Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G. B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. Today, I'm looking at Rocky View County, which borders Calgary to the west, north, and east sides, covering an area of 3,836 square kilometers, making it larger than Hong Kong, Luxembourg, and Singapore. For millennia, the land was occupied by the indigenous, specifically the Blackfoot. The bison would dominate the landscape and formed a vital part of the life of the Blackfoot, who hunted the great beasts for centuries. The Blackfoot Confederacy was one of the most powerful indigenous groups in the interior of North America. It was the Blackfoot that Anthony Henday would meet in 1754 when he came farther west than any European before him. He would be followed by others, including David Thompson, who arrived in 1799 and spent the winter in the area where Calgary is today. The strength of the Blackfoot in the area delayed the establishment of fur trading posts in the area until the middle part of the 19th century. By this point, the bison herds were declining and the way of the life of the Blackfoot was being threatened. Today, the entire area that Rocky View occupies is now part of Treaty 6. In 1881, the Cochrane Ranch was established and named for Matthew Cochrane, who was a Canadian senator and former livestock breeder who had lived in the area. Matthew Cochrane had established the ranch, and when the Canadian Pacific Railway came through in 1885, 
the community was named in his honor. The Cochrane Ranch was one of the most important ranches for its time in the entire area. It had been established when the conservative government started a policy of granting large-scale grazing leases to bring in the ranching elite to what was then the Northwest Territories. Cochrane decided to take advantage of this and he would choose land that was along the proposed Canadian Pacific Railway route where there was good land and a nice climate thanks to Chinooks. It also had access to cattle at nearby posts and various indigenous reserves. Unfortunately, the ranch began to suffer heavy losses within its first two years due to very difficult winters and poor herding practices. In 1883, the company decided to relocate its cattle and instead raised horses and sheep on the ranch. This did not work either, and in 1888, the property was sold. While the ranch was not successful, it played an important part in the initial settlement of the area. In 1976, the ranch was made a provincial historic resource. Today, the ranch is a large community park with several trails that you can take to see the beautiful landscape and learn about the area thanks to various information signs. There is also a 110-year-old building at the park, along with a reconstructed corral. It is a great place to visit on a beautiful summer day as part of any road trip. As irrigation projects in southern Alberta started to expand, it allowed a growing number of settlers to take up the land. It was thanks to this irrigation that Iricana was formed in the eastern portion of the county. With settlers arriving, a post office was formed along with a hotel and trading store that was operated by the Iricana Trading Company. In 1892, the Calgary to Edmonton line of the railroad established a new community called Crossfield. The name of the community came from an engineer with the Canadian Pacific Railway Survey crew. Two years previous, a Mrs. Hannington opened a stopping house at the spot, and it was there that the C&E Railway decided to create this new community. The community would grow slowly from a simple stop along the railroad to a place with its own post office, hotel, school, and general store in 1904. Albert Warren Bragg came from Nova Scotia with his brother John Thomas in 1894 and began to homestead on the western side of the future county. When the original land survey was conducted, the surveyors met with Bragg and they would name the new survey community in honor of him called Bragg Creek. The community was established between a forestry reserve, the Sarsi Indigenous Reserve, and a provincial park. In 1910, the first post office was established near the Bragg homestead, but it would eventually move into the New Hamlet in 1918. In 1908, a large group of German settlers began to arrive in the region thanks to the work of a colonization company. That same year, Bicycur would be founded. It would grow slowly, but the Canadian Pacific Railway's arrival in 1910 spurred on settlement. The year that the railroad arrived, the first general store was opened in a two-story building that also housed the school and a dance hall. Another building was constructed in 1910, and it was the Canadian Pacific Railway Station. The building was built on the west end of the community, and it quickly became the focal point of Bicycur. In the mid-1960s, the station was decommissioned, and it sat empty for the next 25 years. Then, it was later moved from the CPR trackway through turning it 180 degrees and placing it on the village of Bicycle property where it would become the municipal office, library, and museum. In 2006, it was designated as a municipal historic resource. The area of Bicycle quickly became noticed for its ability to grow large crops of wheat, and before long, it was known as the World Wheat King Capital. As for the museum within the station, a trip to it will teach you about the early history of the community. I actually visited this museum in the summer of 2021 and it has many great things to explore. You can look inside the vintage caboose that has several displays from the railroad history of Bicycle. There's a sod house built in 2006 which also sits on the museum grounds. 
and the house was built by 23 volunteers who spent 300 hours and used 1,400 rolls of sod to finish the project. In the museum itself, there are many artifacts that have been donated by the local families and put on display by the volunteers who run this wonderful museum. And if you go to Bicycler, you're going to want to see Squirt the Skunk. This statue, which was created in the early 1990s to promote the community, is 13 feet high and sits in the campground of the community. I've seen it, and it makes for a great picture opportunity on any road trip through the country. The same year that Bicycler was formed, thanks to the arrival of the Canadian Pacific Railway, Balzac was formed due to the same reason. The train station was named for William Cornelius Van Horn, the president of the CPR, in honor of one of his favorite French authors. In 1912, a post office was opened nearby, but it was under the name of Beddington. It would not be until 1925 that the name of Balzac would be adopted for the community and the post office. The most famous resident of Balzac is without a doubt Balzac Billy, also known as the Prairie Prognosticator. This man-sized groundhog mascot predicts that the area will have six more weeks of winter or not on Groundhog Day. The original groundhog was created by Merle Osborne and was then replaced with a mascot created by Jim Conkell of the radio station CFAC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The year 1924 was a tough one for the community of Crossfield. That year would see not one, not two, but three fires tear through it. The first fire happened on January 1st, 1924, when a fire destroyed a hotel, two banks, and several other buildings along the city block. Unfortunately for those fighting the fire, the water supply gave out almost immediately after the fire started. The Calgary Fire Brigade quickly responded to help fight the fire and found that the fire was out of control. Fighting the flames in bitter cold weather, it would take hours to finally put it out. Soon after, citizens began to pressure the municipal leaders to bring in adequate fire protection for the community. And the final tally for damages caused on that fire was $175,000, amounting to $2.7 million today. One week later, another fire hit, burning another set of buildings in the commercial area of the community. J.P. Conrad was especially hard hit as his hotel, valued at $16,000, burned to the ground and he only had $6,000 covered by insurance. The second fire did a further $75,000, or $1.1 million today, in damages to the community. And while things would quiet down for Crossfield after the fire, a third fire would erupt in November of 1924. This fire, much smaller than the others, would still destroy a garage, a Chinese laundry, and the NFA store, causing $12,000 in damages, or about $189,000 today. Today, traveling around when you are young and staying in hostels is something thousands of Canadians do in their own country and abroad. One way they do this is through youth hostels, 
but the hostels was a relatively new idea. The first ever hostel in Canadian history didn't pop up in a major city or in eastern Canada, but right in Rocky View County in Bragg Creek. It was in 1933 Catherine Barclay came home from Europe where she had used hostels that were set up for hikers. Coming back to Canada, she told her sister about hostels and they would speak with Tom Fullerton, the fishing game warden for the Bragg Creek area. They received permission to set up a hostel on his property. One year later, with the Bragg Creek Hostel proving so successful, the Canadian Youth Hostels Association was set up with hostels established in the rural areas of the country and in national parks. Unfortunately, the Bragg Creek Hostel would close in 1947, and the original hostel's location only has parts of the cement rock fireplace still standing. It would not be until 1977 when a second hostel opened, but it would sadly be destroyed by fire. In 2018, Parks Canada and Historic Sites and Monuments Board of Canada unveiled a plaque to honour the creation of the first hostel in Canada. It says, quote, On May 13, 1933, Mary and Catherine Barclay and a few of their friends pitched a large canvas tent on Ida Mays White's property in Bragg Creek. They began to charge young hikers a modest fee for a safe place to stay and soon started a permanent home for the hostel on Thomas Fullerton's nearby property. Inspired by the youth hosteling movement in Europe, the energetic Barclay sisters founded the Canadian Youth Hostels Association. By the early 1940s, its success had led to the creation of a network of affordable accommodations in Canada, offering opportunities for independent, adventurous travel. End quote. A great place to learn the history of Rocky View County is the Pioneers Acres Museum. This museum, located in New Canada, is one of the largest agricultural and industrial museums in Alberta. Within it, there are thousands of artifacts that share the history of the community from its earliest years to the present day. There's also a wide assortment of operating farm machinery on display throughout the summer. The museum was established in 1969 when a group of farmers and agricultural producers decided to host an annual event that showcased the agricultural equipment of the early 20th century. This would evolve into the annual show and reunion, which takes place during the August long weekend every year. On the museum property, where it has been located since 1983, there are 20 buildings spread across 50 acres of land. Some of the buildings include a blacksmith shop, a steam building, two antique truck buildings, a historic house, and a stationary engine building. Speaking of that historic house, in 1914 a man named George Long came from North Dakota and bought land from the Canadian Pacific Railway in the region of Ericana. Built in the style of other homes built across Illinois and Indiana, the house was noble for its time in that it had five bedrooms and one bathroom, along with running hot and cold water. Running water at the time was not something most homes had. It also had its own source of artificial light through carbide gas, where carbon pellets were dropped into a pressure tank in order to create the gas in the water that went up the pipes to light the lamps. The house stayed within the family until 1992 when it was prepped and moved to Pioneer Acres, where it continues to sit to this very day. Another great museum to explore in the country is Nose Creek Valley Museum. This museum was opened in 1988 and within only five years it outgrew its original size and an extension was built to add more local artifacts that explore the history of the area. The historical objects date back to as early as 1780. In all, the museum houses more than 25,000 items including the largest collection of indigenous arrowheads in western Canada. Through 10 exhibits in the museum you can explore the history of Rocky View County and see how it has changed over the days from the indigenous to the late 20th century. Some of the exhibits include a recreated barber shop, the military history of the area, and an antique farm machinery display. If trains are more your thing, then the Iron Horse Park near Airdrie is the perfect place for you. 
This park houses miniature trains, track, and landscape to represent the Canadian Pacific Railway that passed through the area on its way into the Pacific Coast. You can take a 1.6-kilometer journey on the 1.8-scale diesel or steam locomotives in the park, giving you a feeling of what the train travel was like, at least on a small scale, during the early 20th century. The park was formed by the Alberta Model Engineering Society in 1971, and in 1997 the city of Airdrie gave permission for an 11-acre parcel of land to be used, which would become known as Iron Horse Park. Over the course of the subsequent years, the park would build various parts of its landscape, including the Centennial Bridge Trestle and the mountain subdivision portion that added half a kilometre onto the main track. I'll end this episode by talking about something very unique from Rocky View County. It's called Steve, or Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. This phenomenon is caused by a ribbon of hot plasma that stretches for 25 kilometers at a height of 450 kilometers, where it is heated to 3,000 Celsius and moves at a speed of 6 kilometers per second. It's been observed since at least 1705 and has been found throughout the world, including the United Kingdom, Alaska, and New Zealand. Rocky View County is one such place to have the phenomenon. The phenomenon typically lasts about 20 minutes and is quite random for when you will see it, but if you do see it, it's truly something amazing to witness. People were out observing the aurora and they started noticing something that was overhead as well when they were seeing the aurora far to the northern regions. It was unlike most aurora. Talked to the scientists, we didn't know what it was, and together, they said, we'll keep taking observations and we'll call it Steve in the meantime. Steve is mostly a very narrow purple arc and sometimes it has these little green features that go along with it as well that are kind of like waving fingers or a picket fence. That means that there's plasma physics happening up there to cause that light and to make these little discrete features that we don't understand yet. We now have some satellite observations from the ESA satellite called SWARM that show uh, that Steve optically is associated with a very strong flow um, in the particles in the ionosphere, the upper level of our atmosphere. Steve is important for a number of reasons. Um, it's really exciting that uh, people armed with cameras all over the globe can capture something that we didn't fully understand and shed new light on that. It's also really exciting that this happens further to the south where there are, more, there are more people, so it might be a kind of aurora that more people can see than the usual kind. We're now able to look up at the sky and see things about the aurora and this sub-auroral region that we never understood before, and then we can correlate that with our traditional observations and lead to greater understanding. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Rocky View County. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, 
Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D, Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W, Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.